Hello and welcome to PFF Wire. I'm Doug Kide, joined as always by Brad Spielberger. Got to adjust the camera right off the top here. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And folks, I have a 100-foot Ethernet cable, so the internet should be smooth sailing all the way through the show. Love that. I think Brad like just got back from a wedding. Surprised he's not still wearing a tux right now. Uh, but <laughs> we are going to blast through this episode because we know that Monday Night Football starts in 20 minutes. Let's start off talking about Trey Lance, the ankle injury that he suffered on Sunday. Clearly the biggest news of this early week. We are now going to see Jimmy Garoppolo starting for the rest of the season. It's absolutely unbelievable how all of this actually played out for the 49ers. You know, if this exact same situation had happened and they didn't keep Jimmy Garoppolo on a reduced salary, we'd probably either see Nate Sudfeld or some other quarterback that they picked up off of waivers right now starting. Clearly, the 49ers are in a much better situation keeping Jimmy Garoppolo than they would have with the alternative. Yeah, and this is why you don't give him away for free. And it's kind of funny now because maybe if there there were teams that were making some maybe weak trade offers thinking they had all of the leverage, there is going to be this final piece of leverage for a team like San Francisco and saying we probably can convince Garoppolo to take a pay cut, which he did uh, pretty substantial on base pay, all the way down to about $7 million. But then on the flip side, he's now earning $250,000 for every game in which he plays a quarter of the snaps on offense and an additional $100,000 for every win. So congrats to Jimmy on his win and $350,000 yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty crazy that uh, I think he can earn up to now $15.1 million if he hits all the incentives, but that would include making the Super Bowl. So, you know, let's not put the cart before the horse there for him making $15 million, but certainly in a much better situation monetarily than he would have been if Trey Lance did not get hurt. Um, uh, Trey Lance, oh, we've got a question here from Mojel. Trey Lance, week one starter next season. I would still say yes on this one but they're clearly going to need a very good insurance plan behind Trey Lance because not only is there injury concerns there's also the concern of the 49ers still do not know what Trey Lance is it's going to be two years after they drafted him and he spent his final season in college sitting out most of the year because of COVID so what do you think Brad uh, Trey Lance yeah. one starter yeah, no, I do. But I think here's kind of a little bit of a hot take for me that, look, I think, as you mentioned, he hasn't played back-to-back -back starts. Our, our coworker already put this out since 2019. He has not started two football games in a row. So now it'll be 2023 for him to start two NFL games in a row and actually finish them. Obviously, he started week two and didn't complete it. But so obviously experience and the reps matters. My hot take is I think another redshirt year, provided his health is not a long-term issue, another year of watching Jimmy Garoppolo, of letting the players around him develop, of all these things still might benefit him because he is still so new to the NFL level, obviously as much as you want him to play and learn by doing. Yeah, I mean, I asked a bunch of people around the league last night after Trey Lance went down and wrote a piece this morning. And, you know, some people out there, still think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the better option for the 49ers right now in the short term. Few people said that. The other answers I got were basically like, eh, it doesn't really matter who's the quarterback. I think the 49ers could be the same either way. I do think that this limits the upside of the 49ers, and you actually saw that a little bit in the betting markets where heading into yesterday's games, the 49ers were plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl. They're now about, or at least when I wrote the piece, they were about plus 2,000. So it did lower their odds a little bit of winning a Super Bowl because of that upside. I think that when you've got Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback, 
you know, you've got a good chance of making the Super Bowl, making the conference championship game, maybe not winning it. Trey Lance might not actually get you to that point, but if he can get you to that point, then there's a better chance of him winning it all. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think we saw yesterday in that game itself, it was kind of a typical Jimmy Garoppolo game. He got off to a great start. He had a nice 30-yard touchdown pass, maybe even longer, to Ross Dwelly, the tight end. And from there, you know, he started off, I think, 4 for 4 for 70 yards. His teammates were clearly jacked up to have him back. He was getting, you know, his helmet slapped by every single person on the sideline. And then once he kind of settled in and the Seahawks started to adjust to a different quarterback, obviously they know Jimmy Garoppolo fairly well. He was kind of, you know, didn't have to score much, didn't really have to press. They had a comfortable lead. But, you know, we know, we know what Jimmy is at this point, no question about it. Uh, we've got a question here from Thomas. If Jimmy G gets hurt, Brock Purdy? Currently, he's the only uh, other quarterback currently on the 49ers roster. 49ers likely won't practice until Wednesday. So I would probably expect to see some sort of move coming tomorrow at quarterback for the 49ers. Curious to see if they wind up signing a guy off of another team's practice squad. <laughs> There's so many Shanahan-style offenses out there right now at this point that there is a possibility that they could sign a, a player off the Jets practice squad. Chris Strievler is there on the Jets practice squad. Uh, Reed Sinet, not currently on a team, but he's been with the Miami Dolphins in the past. Uh, so those are two offensive or those are that's an offensive coordinator with the Jets and a head coach from the Dolphins who came right from the 49ers system. You've got Sean Mannion uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. They run kind of a similar offense. Any other names that stick out to you, Brad, as far as quarterbacks that they could bring in who would probably actually wind up being Jimmy Garoppolo's backup rather than Brock Purdy? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Nate Sudfeld is a guy who was with them, but he's now with the Detroit Lions is where he landed on cutdown day. Nick Mullins got traded for now in the Minnesota Vikings. So the list is a little bit shorter than maybe you. CJ Beathard on the they Jaguars. Could. They could find guys. Yeah, they're, they're, I would agree with you, though. I do not think they're comfortable with Mr. Irrelevant. You know, I know it's kind of a joke, but the last pick in this year's draft class being their backup long term for this season. I don't really buy that. As far as next season goes, though, I ran through the list in the piece that I wrote. Basically, like every fringe starting quarterback in the NFL is a free agent next year by by some random chance. I think that you've got like Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, there's a number of guys out there who have starting experience who the 49ers could sign next offseason. Maybe not tell them that they're going to be competing for the role, but at least say like, hey, we've seen what's happened to Trey Lance now this season. You might wind up being a starter, and if things don't work out with Trey Lance, and you might wind up being a starter midway through the season. Um, I'm not sure how much, how fresh you are on next year's free agent quarterbacks, but uh, is there anyone who's going to be available next year that would uh, raise your eyebrows a little bit? That's interesting. Yeah, off the top of my head, I mean, obviously, as we know, reaching free agency as a quarterback is probably a red flag. It's probably a bad thing, if anything, if you actually reach unrestricted free agency as a quarterback. But I agree with you. I think that it's actually a great point that being his backup now, still question marks about him in a general sense, but now an ankle injury sounds like it was not a compound fracture. So, again, it sounds like as of right now, he should recover, kind of like Dak Prescott, like, you know, Get over it, get through it, rehab it, and you should be fine. Um, but, yeah, if you're a backup a guy like C.J. Bathard, I want to say his contract expires with the Jacksonville yep. Jaguars. He, of course, was in San Francisco with Shanahan for a couple of years there. You know, that, that's an attractive destination now to where you may have to come in and play a couple games in relief of Trey Lance in next, next season. Uh, one guy who I would certainly keep in mind as a possibility there, 
uh, would be Sam Darnold. He's going to be a free agent after the season. I think that we've kind of heard in the past that the 49ers or Kyle Shanahan at least kind of has liked him. But yeah, going through the list, Tom Brady, don't think he's going to be backing up Trey Lance, but I mean, Baker Mayfield's interesting. Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Daniel Jones is interesting. Case Keenum is interesting. Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, Geno Smith, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, CJ Beathard, uh, Gardner Minshew. I was not lying. Every single fringe quarterback in the fringe starting quarterback in the NFL is a free agent uh, next year. Uh, I think that we've got one other person here, Mojel said Josh Rosen maybe yeah that's a possibility for a backup quarterback 49ers might be able to do a little bit better than Josh Rosen but he is at least a guy who's been with the 49ers in the past uh let's talk a little bit about some other quarterbacks from that 2021 NFL draft class Brad I'll give you a chance first basically the only guy from that draft class that impressed yesterday was Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk about him in a, in a minute here, but what did you see personally from Justin Fields last night against the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I mean, last night was a weird game because you look at it, you see that the game script, the Bears are trailing pretty much the entire night, and you see going into that last drive before he threw a bit of an ugly interception that he was 7 of 9 for 70 yards, and you're kind of saying to yourself, how does this guy have fewer than 10 passing attempts when you're down 17 or 14 points pretty much the entire game, but you go look at the stats. I mean, David Montgomery was averaging over eight yards per carry. Even Khalil Herbert in relief was also averaging, I want to say, seven yards a carry. Montgomery was second for us in forced missed tackles on rushes. He had eight forced missed tackles last night. He was shaking and baking everyone. Actually, first was Aaron Jones. Neither run defense played showed up to play in that game whatsoever. But, but yeah, so... You know, with Fields, it does start to get interesting. You throw on the tape. There was a third down where Economia St. Brown seemed to come available, come open down the right sideline. He probably should have seen him. His first read was to the left, and then he worked his way back over to the right. But, you know, again, we're not NFL quarterbacks. We never stood in the pocket. Right. But seemed like a guy that a quarterback should probably see coming available. Um, you know, it, it's weird, though. I mean, at a certain point, he, you know, week one, I think we can kind of flush away. Everyone's, I see all these stats about how he only has – you know, 22 passing attempts. Guys, week one was a water polo game. We can toss that aside. But but it is concerning because you're trying to score points in bunches and come back against a division rival, and you're not really trusting your quarterback to throw the football. Are you afraid of the protection issues, which you probably should be? Are you afraid the receivers are not getting open? I mean, Darnell Mooney had one catch for negative four yards last night. And then here's the thing is if, if, if you're not going to blame him and you're going to say, look, we have a ton of confidence in him, we believe in him, then you're admitting you did not do enough to even get a fair evaluation of him this season because of how bad everyone is around him. Yeah, Justin Fields now has a 39.0 PFF grade on the season. He graded out at 40.8 last night. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before I guess we get a normal game out of the out of the Bears. But um, last night was definitely a little bit of a strange one. Uh, I was able to watch Mac Jones really closely. This was one of his worst performances maybe of his career and the Patriots were still able to actually beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if there was a weak point in that Patriots offense, it was Mac Jones, the offensive line did its job. The receivers were pretty good. Devontae Parker isn't really fitting into the offense that well, but the rest of the receivers were solid tight ends didn't get a lot of production out of them, but the running backs were good. Defense was great against the Steelers and Mac Jones just made some weird decisions. Uh, He had two turnover worthy plays in the game. One was an actual interception. The other one was a drop by a Steelers defender. He just threw it right at him. Uh, There was a couple plays where it just seemed like Mac Jones just really didn't see the defenders 
uh, around his his target and and it was uh, it was on the interception where he didn't seem to see Minka Fitzpatrick was over the top and was going to be able to pick off the pass on way to Devontae Parker. Uh, there was another throw that was I think on third and one must have a situation where Mac Jones was not under any pressure and got rid of it really quickly to Johnu Smith uh, short yardage in double coverage and that ball was batted away as well. So. I don't know. It's, I think it's a, a positive for the Patriots in general that the team was still able to win despite a subpar performance from Mac Jones. But it does seem like the rest of the team is getting used to this new system on offense, getting used to the defense, everything. And Mac Jones now is the one who's lagging behind a little bit. And he was fourth on our list of 2021 drafted quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, as I mentioned before, 75.3 overall grade. Trey Lance got injured. Davis Mills was a 55.3. And Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Uh, but I'd say that overall, we're still waiting for this 2021 NFL draft class of quarterbacks to really live up to the potential that everyone thought that they were going to have. There's no doubt about it. And obviously Zach Wilson's still not going to play again in week three. Joe Flacco has already been named the starter. I will say this. I think you and I have had this conversation about Trevor Lawrence to where we get the draft priors. We get how great he is viewed as being, but we were saying, when is he going to show it to us? When is he actually going to play a bunch of great games? And yes, he only had 235 yards and two touchdowns, but Average about 7.9 yards per attempt, was efficient, was clean. I don't believe we charted him with a turnover-worthy play, um, maybe one. Um, but he he Just looked the part yeah. last week, or this week, you know, against Indianapolis that has a decent defense, another without DeForest Buckner, without Shaq Leonard, but a solid secondary, you know, Kenny Moore, who was not happy with the performance um, yesterday. But he finally had one of those games where you can point to it and say, this was a solid outing where he made a bunch of smart decisions. He really likes Christian Kirk, and there's a connection there, no question about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this class, you know, someone even put in the chat talking about next year's draft class and how strong it is until they start playing the games, in the NFL and showing us stuff. It's, it's great. I agree with you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think there's a ton of talent in this class coming up, but we saw it in 2021 and we're kind of still waiting. Yeah. And even if it is a strong class where four or five guys can be drafted in the first round, there's still probably only going to be about a 60% hit rate, if that, uh, on those quarterbacks that are coming out. Uh, let's quickly talk about rookie wide receivers. Um, Garrett Wilson went off for eight catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Drake London, eight catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Jahan Dotson had another uh, touchdown, uh, four catches for 59 yards with that touchdown. Chris Olave, five catches, 80 yards. Another special wide receiver class, it looks like, but it, did any one of those guys specifically stand out to you? This week for me was Garrett Wilson. Um, I would say this. I watched the game with the Jets fan, which was a roller coaster. I highly recommend watching a Jets win with a Jets fan. It's very rare, but if you get a chance to do it, it's like seeing an endangered species. Um, they right. probably don't know what to do with uh, themselves. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but no, and also, you know, him trying to get the remote and convince us to watch Brissett versus Flacco versus the other action of the day. You know, it was a battle. It was a battle. But, yeah, no. all jokes aside, not only did Garrett Wilson have a monster day production-wise, there were five or six other snaps in that game where he created so much separation on his routes. I mean, he is really, really dynamic and shifty. His releases of the, of the line are super quick, and he just keeps getting open consistently, consistently. And then Joe Flacco, I remember he said when Zach Wilson got hurt, Garrett Wilson said Joe Flacco throws a very professional veteran ball or whatever it was he said, and it's very catchable. It's where you want it to be. They have a connection there because – Joe Flacco was looking his way a ton down the stretch, but yeah, he, he stuck out as a guy that it's repeatable. Like it wasn't fluky. It wasn't lucky. It wasn't, Oh, he just had a couple big catches. Like he was getting open every snap. 
Yeah, he, he looks like a really special player. And Drake London has had a great start to his rookie season as well. Uh, 80.0 overall grade, 13 catches, 160 yards with a touchdown. And it's pretty amazing. Um, I'm, I'm wearing my Washington Husky sweatshirt right now, so I'm kind of biased on this. But USC, I think in 2020, something like that, 2019, had Michael Pittman, Drake London, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And they were an extremely mediocre team. It's like it's like the 2018 Ole Miss uh, football team that had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and Dawson Knox. Like, what the hell is wrong with some of these college programs <laughs> where you have these superstar offensive players and you're not able to do anything on offense uh we have to go in about five minutes so let's just really quickly talk about tonight's games uh for people who are watching this live first up is bills titans and gabe davis is out of this game with an ankle injury i was told that he wanted to play buffalo bills are uh being exceedingly cautious in this one didn't want to rush him back i've got a whole season in front of them but anyone that you're specifically looking at in this game who could take over for gabe davis yeah, this is a really weird injury real quick, first of all, because he was not yeah. on the report at all until Saturday. And most teams Saturday is like a light walkthrough. And I guess maybe someone stepped on his ankle or something. You know, we don't know what the full it? extent it was, of it yet. Go ahead. Saturday Saturday was Friday this week for the Bills. So ah, it wouldn't have point. been a full walkthrough. It would have been not a padded practice, but um, certainly more of a, a normal practice. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's a great, great catch there. But yeah, so anyway, yeah. Um, that, that point aside, you know, I think a guy, again, they're not very similar. Gabe Davis has become kind of this downfield threat, this very deep vertical player. But someone that I think people across the fantasy world had dropped off their teams and got rid of is James Cook. Look, Isaiah McKenzie's yeah. going to get more more looks. Obviously, he is the number three option in this offense. I think Jamison Crowder, I thought he looked good in their week one game, coming off you know a kind of a weird tenure with the Jets, but I always thought he was a good slot receiver. But long answer short, James Cook, everyone quit on him. Yes, he had the fumble on his first carry and all these things. They said they want to use him. They want to line him up all over the field. Maybe he plays some in the slot and they kick McKenzie out, out wide or whatever the case may be. But I think maybe tonight is the game where they try to get him going. I did take a flyer on on James Cook in DFS for today. We'll see how that goes. He was pretty cheap, so that was one of the main reasons why I did throw him in there. Uh, real quickly, Eagles Vikings. This game is gonna. I I expect it to be much better than anyone thought it was going to be heading into the season, probably. But I'm looking at the Super Bowl odds right now. The Eagles are currently fifth at plus twelve hundred, and the Vikings are tenth at plus two thousand. Uh, Vikings have the same Super Bowl odds as the 49ers and the Dolphins right now, but I think this could be a high-scoring affair. I know that these defenses are pretty good, uh, but these teams both have some high-powered offenses, and I think that this could be a really fun one. No doubt about it, and, I, and if the Eagles need, deserve top-five odds, the defense needs to do better than they did against the Detroit Lions. Like, I know it was kind of later in the game once they had a lead, but mm -hmm. they can generate pressure on this Minnesota Vikings offensive line. They've gotten a little bit better, but you can still generate pressure up the middle. They obviously have Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Javon Hargrave, a really, really strong interior. Maybe not guys that are known for generating a pass rush at this stage in their career, but maybe can collapse the middle. They can use a lot of the guys they have out on the edge and get creative and find ways to manufacture pressure and then on the offensive side of the ball it's the Jalen Ragor revenge game returning you know <laughs> against his Philadelphia Eagles so I agree with you though long answer short high octane I think there's gonna be a lot of points in that game 
Yeah, expecting big things from A.J. Brown. Could see a big game from Kenny Gainwell as well. I know that the Eagles were very high on him coming into the season. All right, really quick show. Uh, We're going to get out of here so we can all watch some football. We will be back with you guys again on Wednesday. Download the PFF app. Brad is working hard to send you guys news updates on the PFF app right now. Uh, Sign up for PFF Plus. That is $79.99 a year. Great deal there. Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. And we promise our next show will be a little bit longer when Brad isn't rushing back from all of his, uh, his, his weddings over the weekends. But we will talk to you guys again very soon.